Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here, and you're listening to the CFI Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. Teaching personal minimums is one of the best things you can do early on for your students. Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here of M0A.com, and you are listening to the CFI podcast, the Certificated Flight Instructor Podcast, brought to you by our number one rated online ground school, groundschoolacademy.com. Did you know, by the way, we pay you flight instructors 30% of any business you send our way. So your students may be using our course already. Maybe you could use a uh, syllabus to help follow, to ramp up your Part 61 training. Maybe you want to turn your 141 training up a notch as well. Groundschoolacademy.com, our online ground school, can do just that. Today we're talking about personal minimums and specifically how to teach personal minimums. I have no doubt and I hope and pray that you all have your own personal minimums as well. But I want to share with you a little bit, and it was the topic of this week's video, how I teach personal minimums to students. I teach it this way, and it's through a phrase. I will not go flying if, and then they fill in the blanks. It's broken down three ways. I will not go flying if the winds are greater than blank. I will not go flying if the clouds are lower than blank. I will not go flying if the visibility is less than, again, you fill in the blank. Now, a lot of this verbiage is is purposeful. For example, clouds. I will not go flying if the clouds, I didn't say ceiling, right? Yes, we need to teach a ceiling is the lowest broken or overcast layer. I didn't say ceiling. I said clouds because I believe it's important to teach our students that a few layer can become a scattered layer, can become a broken layer, can become an overcast layer and I'm stuck on top just like that. I will not go flying if the clouds are less than blank. That is so a very important statement um, with that one. Now, you see, when you give hard set personal minimum numbers, that's what I call this, you take the emotion out of it for your students. Because there is the spouse looking at them saying, you have been working so hard on this. You have been saving for years. You have put years of effort into this thing. I'm about to be your first passenger. That's a lot of pressure. Right? Why do we have a commercial pilot certificate? It's to deal with the E in the PAVE checklist, which is the external pressures of adding money to the equation. But money is only external pressure for some. For others, it's the emotion of taking the spouse flying, the best friend flying, flying for work, right? Not, not uh, and I don't mean like for hire. I mean flying, they're a real estate developer and they're going to check on a, a property, It's not in furtherance of their business. They're using their aircraft as a vehicle to get there. The pressures to go fly and close that million dollar deal or whatever it may be. When we put hard set numbers to this, 
we take that emotion out of it because we let the METAR and or the TAF make the decision for us. Hear me out on this. If I say, I will not go flying if the winds are greater than 10 knots. I will not go flying if the clouds are lower than 2,000 feet. I'm writing this down with you here. I will not go flying if the visibility is less than nine. I'm gonna come back to that here in just a bit. And I go out and I read the METAR and it says, um, winds 2307 knots, check, that's good. Overcast layer 2500 feet, it's close, but check, it's good. Visibility, eight. And you go, well, it's not that windy. It's 500 feet above my, my cloud layer, but it's at eight statute miles visibility. I said nine was my cutoff because we all know eight miles becomes seven miles, becomes six miles, just like that. Next thing you know, it's IFR and we're socked in and we're flying and, and we're scud running, essentially. That overcast layer is gonna descend down, whatever that may be as the sun sets, the temperature gets closer to the dew point. There's so many variables to that. But when the METAR or the TAF is below our hard set numbers, we take the emotion out of it. I'm sorry, this is below my numbers. I am not going flying. I know I have been dying to take my spouse flying for the past two years as my first passenger. But I want my first passenger or this individual's first flight to be an outstanding and amazing day. I'm not about to screw that up. That takes uh, some guts to be able to, uh, to say that, but we have to teach that to our students. I want to focus, like I said, I, I gave the visibility less than nine statute miles. I believe we have a, um, a visibility issue. I don't know how else to call it when it comes to our flight training. Hear me out on this. A METAR could say visibility 10 statute miles, yet it's really unlimited. And there are days here in Florida where we can take off. I can see the Atlantic Ocean. I can see the Gulf of Mexico just from a few thousand feet in the air. The visibility is that good. Usually after like a cold front kind of goes through and just rips all that muck stuck to our humidity out of here. There's days that are that gorgeous though. Unlimited visibility, just about as far as the eye can see. There are days when the METAR says visibility 10 and the visibility is really 20, right? We know as flight instructors or aspiring flight instructors that the visibility is only shown up to 10 statute miles on a METAR. So I believe that spoils us. Anytime we see 10 on the METAR and we see from the Atlantic Ocean to the Gulf of Mexico, we just assume the visibility is awesome. Yet have you ever taken a student up when the visibility is nine, like legit nine? they would be blown away at how bad it is. If you can only see nine miles in front of you while you're hurtling through the sky at 110 knots. Nine miles is not that good. 10 miles, honestly, isn't even that good as visibility goes. If you, I always loved days like that where it was like eight, nine, 10 miles of visibility. So I could take a student up and show them that because they just are so used to seeing visibility 10 and their mind, visibility 10 is clear. So nine is just slightly less than clear. It means, oh, I can only see the Gulf of Mexico today. I can't see the Atlantic. When in all actuality, you and I know that visibility nine is pretty much a crummy day. Like I'd be filing IFR. I know it's legal VFR, but visibility nine, I'd like to get an approach in there, please, because I'm not going to see anything on this, this, you know, smog layer, fog layer, whatever that actually is. My West Coast, you know, Southern California Basin people know what I'm talking about when I say nine, eight miles visibility, because that's like a good day sometimes 
out there. So I find where students make mistakes is in the visibility department. They underestimate it. They'll, do, they'll be so good. They'll do, oh, no winds greater than 10 knots. The clouds, no clouds lower than 2,500 feet. Um, and visibility no less than six statute miles. And I, I look at it and go, good on winds, good on clouds, visibility six. They go, yeah, well, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's still VFR, Jason. I said, I would be on an IFR flight plan for <laughs> the visibility was six statute miles. Let's go find a day that's six statute miles and go flying. You'd be blown away how you get on the downwind and you're wondering where the runway's going and disappearing to. You can't see anything, just about. I want you to be careful with your students in the visibility department. This is where, now we have to, as instructors, help students see this sort of stuff though. I want you to take students, you in the cockpit, please. But I want you to take students in slightly beyond their personal minimum conditions. Because number one, it helps reinforce their decision. Example, when they set their visibility at nine per your recommendation, but don't understand it, take them up on a day with a visibility seven. It's going to reinforce that nine is a pretty good number and really it should be more like if it doesn't say 10 on there, uh, it says 9.9, .9, which a METAR doesn't, we know, but we're not going, right? It pushes them just a little bit. We don't want to push someone so far outside their comfort zone. It's like exercising a muscle. You don't want to, um, you know, go to the gym and do 100 squats at, a, at, a high, at the most weight you can do for those 100 squats because you won't be at the gym for the next two weeks. You'll be so sore. We want to do just a little bit so we can still go to the gym the next day. We want to push ourselves. I'm using that as an analogy. We want to push ourselves just a little bit further. So we build up strength and not a ton of soreness. In our case, mental uh, soreness. And, and eventually, you, go, you can turn very quickly from the learning zone to the fear zone very quickly. There's a line between those. And it's going to be different for each student. You want to keep them in the learning zone and never push them into that fear zone. But take them, push them just outside that comfort zone into that learning zone, but just beyond their actual personal minimums. It's going to help reinforce the personal minimums you set for them. Wind is another great way to do this. People get a little crazy. They can say, Jason, I put my wind at 15 knots. Let's go fly on a day that's 15 knots, please. You'll change those winds very quickly. If you want to add something to this, you could also do a crosswind. I will not go flying if the crosswind component is greater than seven knots. You could do those sort of things too if you wanted to add something else in there. Now, these personal minimums change for better and for worse. Let's talk about for better. When meaning meaning when can I lower these personal minimums? Well, I I look at it as milestone based. And there's two big milestones for me: adding more hours. Hey, when I get to 100 hours, I'm gonna go from 10 knots of wind to 12 knots of wind. Awesome. That's a great milestone and goal. When I earn my instrument rating, I'm going to lower my clouds lower than 2,000 feet. I'm going to lower those to 1,500 feet because that's roughly where I'm going to break out at the final approach fix on just about any approach in the country, roughly. Um, MSL, AGL, again, remember they're the same thing here in, in, in Florida, just about to us. So, so convert that to what it needs to be for you. But you, you get what I'm saying here, right? 1,500 feet AGL um, with that. That'll pretty much break you out just after any final approach fix um, in the country, which is a nice place to be breaking out as the workload really starts to increase. I get about three or 400 feet of good actual and I break out. 
in time to see the runway configure and I'm still three miles out um, on my on my instrument approach. So adding the instrument rating, really just furthering yourself as a pilot. It could even be endorsements, adding my tail wheel. Uh, it could be another easy rating, adding a seaplane, adding gliders, like these sort of things that make you a safer, smarter, better pilot can help adjust personal minimums the same. Now these personal minimums also can move in the other direction. Allow me to explain. Your personal minimums can also move in the other direction if things like you're taking that, that non-flying spouse out on a first flight or just flying with a spouse at all. You might say, you know what? I might have my instrument rating, but I'm not taking my spouse up who's already a little apprehensive about flying um, unless it is a clear in 10 day because no turbulence. If they get bumped around, they are not going to have a good time. And my odds of getting them back in the airplane again are slim to none. That could be uh, what you actually set up and say there. Just something to actually think about. Another one could be raise my personal minimums flying a new airplane. Okay, these are my personal minimums in 2-3 Mike Zulu. However, uh, my buddy of mine just bought a brand new Mooney. Awesome airplane. I don't have a whole lot of Mooney time. I'm going to raise my personal minimums because I'm just not familiar in this airplane. How about a different environment? I'm an East Coast, Florida, flatland flyer. Unfortunately, we know uh, AOPA Casper, Wyoming got canceled uh, or postponed, moved. Um, I want high personal minimums for a flight like that you know, near the mountains, different terrain, don't know the diversion airports as well as I know here. Here I know the next frequencies and everything else around Florida. Know all the little Unicom frequencies, little grass strips I can go to. I don't know all that stuff once I get to about Alabama. So those are the things I want you to think about and be willing to adjust. You have to lead by example, flight instructors, in your personal minimums. You cannot help a student set them and then violate and break yours. So I encourage you to have your own hard set personal minimum numbers, share them with your students and help them set up their own as well. Again, I can't thank you enough. You are such a blessing to the aviation community. You are the rare breed of flight instructors who are out to better themselves, which in turn betters their students and uh, just makes them safer and smarter while making yourself safer and smarter and just making aviation a better place to be. Hey, I hope you're joining us this year on our Aviation Mastery at Sea cruise. I know it is a very difficult time to be marketing a cruise as we're recording this. We're in the midst of um, COVID-19. That's why if you're watching this, we are live. Well, we're not live, but we're recording this from the spare bedroom. Um, that will be the case until further notice. You'll see a lot of live streams and videos coming from Jason's spare bedroom. Um, I know it's a tough time to be marketing a cruise, but you pilots are such a relentless bunch. We continue to uh, book more and more cabins. It is just, uh, it's unreal. We, are, we sold out the diamond package a few weeks ago. It is just absolutely uh, incredible. I'm hoping by October 26th, when our cruise launches out of Fort Lauderdale, uh, this will be all well behind us. We can focus on the, the fun part. The Aviation Mastery Seminars. AviationMastery.com if you wish to check that out and learn more. Thank you for being a blessing to myself, our team here, and this outstanding uh, aviation community. Enjoy the rest of your day, and most importantly, remember, a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. We'll see you.